Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. everyone you are listening to the lawn and garden journal and we've had kind of a better week i'd say it was nice to see the sun come out yesterday you felt the warmth in the air and i actually have to say that looking up into the sky there was a difference i think in the clouds i'm not a weather person but i kind of look at the clouds and see what they're shifting and i think those big i think i'm saw cumulus clouds out there they look like summer clouds and it's an announcement that this there's a shift in the seasons i feel it i know it's there we saw march go out and how many april fools uh things happened out there yesterday they gave us that tease that says yes it's warming and today maybe a little cool so maybe that's a little bit of a late april fool but the march is gone. So, let's listen to the farewell of the Song of March. With winter's footprints in the past, and snow begins to melt at last, with longer days and shorter nights, the wayward winds of March take flight. Four winds she holds within her grasp, then hurls them in from her fingertip. Her woolly, fleecy clouds of white she sets in skies of blue delight. Her wild bouts of gusty breezes roar through valley, hills, and trees. That high-pitched whistling sound she sings awakens earth and flowering things. She tears a hole in the heaven's sky so sun can shine and rain can cry. She gently calms as spring draws near, as blooming daffodils appear. She welcomes April showers in, then gathers up her dwindling winds. Now her long journey home begins, knowing she'll be back this way upon a cold winter's day. When nights grow short and days grow long, listen for her whistling song. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And today is a day where we sort of look at it and go, okay, it's a little bit of cloudy, it's cooler. But as we look around our communities, we see the water levels are raising. The river has gone up substantially here out on our end. And we are reminded that, yes, the snow is melting. And uh, some locations of even uh, my own yards, I see where water is pooling. So the moisture is going back into the ground. It's a good time to sort of, as my husband would say, I go on my walkabouts in my garden at all types of season to see what is happening. Where are things occurring? Do I have water standing in some areas where I don't want it? And of course, the venture was out there that I too came across evidence of rabbit damage this year. So the snow is a little high. I'm actually uh, gonna get out there, get out the tall rubber boots and try and venture out so I could do a little uh, Instagram post on showing people what it's like and how to treat it. But rabbit damage is a little bit of um, 
uh, demise to some plants if we see that they're out there, especially at this time of season. It occurs on some of our sweeter uh, fruits. And uh, when I'm saying fruit trees and some of the trees, they're chewing on the bark and the tips of it. And of course, my beautiful rosy bloom. Uh, I think the level this year, because I, uh, the evidence is there, yes, the natural fertilizer is there on the s- snow. And because the level was higher, I was hoping that they wouldn't affect the main trunking. But lo and behold, this week, um, the little rascally rabbits were busy. And if you see classic signs of the bark being nibbled around the base or the stems of your tree, it maybe is a time to sort of take action. Because normally at this time of year, if we had less snow, they would be already been foraging on maybe some of the older grasses that are there. And that's a hint too, because um, just lo and behold, out on some of my travels yesterday, I did see... um, a whole herd, I don't know if you call a herd of deer, probably 12 deer in an area where that they normally aren't seen trying to forage for some foods. So you know that uh, their resources are low too, and they're hoping for a spring thaw so that things green up for them. But going back to the rabbit damage, that, yeah, I'm a little sad about it. So I have to take action, see what there is to do. So I'll basically tell you. On the main trunks of our trees, we saw some little guys, they went almost two-thirds away around the trunks. It's a multi-stem tree, so if I lose one, maybe one, I'm hoping, not two, that the rest of the tree will be okay. But if you notice that it's like girdling, they've eaten about a foot up of the trees, and they've taken the outer cambium, which is the outer growth where all the moisture and the nutrients of what a tree is actually surviving on, because we know the inner core of a tree is the deadwood. The outer fresh portions of it is always on the outside of the bark. So this little rascally rabbit, yes, one foot high, two-thirds of the way around the trunk. And I'm hoping that there's enough cambium or trunk that will give the resources that it can skip through so that the fluids, when the spring keeps going, will continue to flow up and down and give that tree life. Now... In certain instances, we may say if it's girdled completely around where you see that the bark is completely gone, like 360 around it, there is probably enough energy in a plant or a tree or shrub to give it enough energy for that season's growth to push leaves and even flowers. I've seen it myself where it's been this glorious show and you're thinking, oh, it did survive but it would be the second year after the damage that you truly see the indication of what the damage was. Now, in the different case where uh, if it's light nibbling, we know that trees on the bark will heal themselves. They have that capacity to create that healing factor that's on it. So that's something that's on it. But the most important part of it is sort of deterring that little rascally rabbit away from it. So in instances last year, we had some people that were phoning and giving us ideas of maybe placing hair that they worked. Um, I know uh, my mom used to say uh, Irish spring soap was out it. But there are some uh, products that are also out there called Plant Skid Bobex, which are sprayed. But it would be a good thing, and I know that I'll probably be... looking for someone that I can get out there above temperatures and give the bark a little bit of a spray. It is a um, byproduct that 
the rabbits will smell it and they'll think, oh, something has happened here. And deer too, it's quite effective with deer as well. So if you spray this application on the area where they are uh, venturing to and maybe nibbling, it is a slight deterrent that you're going to put the spray on the application of your tree to say, you know what, something may happen to you here, so you better venture south. Okay, so it's a good indicator. Spray the bark of it and it'll give them a natural deterrent to leave. Another product that I think is pretty cool and it works most effectively for rabbits is called Scoot. Yep, it's like Scoot away from here. It has a bitter taste to them. So if they do take a little bit of a nibbling, they won't like it as much. So fingers crossed, yes, that they go and venture forth somewhere else. Now, what happens to the nibbling above? What if it's just on the tips? Have you had this happen? Do you need help with this? You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. It's the place where we all meet together and we talk about gardening. The lows, the highs, and the adventure into getting into our gardens. And I think that adventure is perfect right now because we're all thinking spring. I think we all want the color and the glory around us just to be able to sit outside and enjoy the space that we have. Now, the adventure right now is, yes, it's a good time on those nicer days to get the rubber boots out so you're not getting a boot full of snow in some areas where it's a little softer, to venture into the yard and sort of see what's happening. Earlier, we were talking about damage on trunks that were lower down, and if we notice that, you'll probably notice that the damage is not going to be as low to the ground, um, but there is a correction there. Because we do not know what's happening below the snow level. And we know in uh, certain areas, we have voles that are happening. There may be vole damage that's going, running underneath without the tracks. And there is, you have to remember, gardening, there's the, the good side and there's the bad side. It's like what's around us, we have to adapt. We have to take on those challenges and we have to succeed and overcome them. And yes, we can because we're gardeners and we know the diligence of doing what's there and the rewards of what we get from it. So we won't really concentrate on the vole damage until we can actually see what's there. But now that we've talked about the trunk damage, what about the tips? A lot of the tipping on a lot of the trees. And yes, uh, in one area of my yard, I've got a pagoda dogwood which is beautifully layered with its branches and lo and behold the eight foot drifts around it have given it opportunity for a lot of these rascally rabbits to get up to that height believe it or not and take off some of the tippings well the pagoda dogwood always needs a little bit of trimming at that best so I am more than welcome to say okay if you want to nibble nibble on the tipping Take some of those berries that were hung on there and do what you may. But please leave my trunk alone. It's always that area where you sort of say, okay, you give a little and maybe they'll avoid the other areas that are on it. All right. If the other thing that you're seeing, um, and it's in the importance, it's something that we kind of hammer home all the time, is our evergreens. Hopefully this year are able to absorb up some of that moisture once it's sort of wicking into the ground and getting back in there. But already I'm sort of seeing the classic signs of maybe some stress on some of our evergreens just because the moisture levels were not as great going into the winter that's in it. So 
if you're starting to see uh, changes in colors in some of the evergreens already, there's that brittleness and there's a color tone that it gets that maybe gives me the indication that they're not going to be as lush that's in there because of the lack of moisture in those cells. So it's important as we naturally let the groundwater go into the ground that we're not forcing any areas to come out of dormancy too early. And lo and behold, this bring me, brings me to the conversation that I had um, previously that I've seen already a few sump hoses uh, laid over some of the snow on there. So if you are required to put um, your sump hose out early, it's a little bit of a hint that please put it in a swale or a, a access drain so that it's not going into gardens that have trees and shrubs that are in a dormancy state. Because just remember, that sump water that's coming from your ho- home is warm. And if we pre-awaken, I don't know if that's a word, but if we waken up these trees and the root systems of these plants early, we're sending it out of its natural routine. And it may cause a little bit of a demise further on if it leafs out too earlier than normal. Or think of it this way, if we're repeatedly putting sump hose water discharge onto a tree that does not like to be constantly moistened, that could cause an effect too as well. Let's go right to the line. Gladys, Gladys is there. Morning, Gladys. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Uh, I'm calling from Rosenort. Well, I know exactly where you are. Hello. Good morning. Oh, yes. Yeah. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Uh, I'm calling about my geraniums. I bring them in for the winter and have them in my south window. And uh, now they're looking pretty. They're looking very nice, but they're quite tall. Can I cut them back? Yes. Yes, you can. This is the time where if you're wanting to uh, trim them back, because over the winter, they if you've kept them going and going, they will probably do a little stretchy, get a little leggy that's on there. Yes. And uh, this is the time that they're awakening up. They're probably getting brand new new leaves and you're thinking yahoo but we want to be able to have a a nice denser thicker uh shrub that's on it like because they get quite shrubby looking so if you do tip cuts or trim them back uh you'll notice that you'll get new emergence of new branching further below which is an encouragement because it makes a stronger thicker looking plant down below it's not going to cut off their fresh blooms now would it well, yes, if you have blooms on it, uh, if it's already starting to bloom that's on it, if you're trimming back the, the new growth on it, you are going to be giving up those new blooms. But, that's, but all, that's okay. That's okay because there is that advantage that if it's blooming on, um, the new growth is probably a, a little lighter, it's a little bit weaker that's on there. So if you encourage further branching further back, you'll get more branches more flowers, more blooms. And is it time to fertilize them already? If you are actively, if it's been in the same soil all winter, then yes, I would, when you're watering, you can do start off with a light fertilizer. If it's in a container pot, I would probably, um, if you have any houseplant fertilizer, like a 20-20-20 going on right now, you could do that because it's a broad spectrum fertilizer. Um, I would probably encourage that for growth rather than going to a annual fertilizer which is like a 15 30 15 which really encourages the blooming 
Oh, so yes. let's that what they use. Not uh, that's too much. What they use for the summer, like yeah, yeah. Let's encourage for more growth on the foliage than on the blooming aspect. Save that for summer, and and that where it's like got that glory outside. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes. Well, but they're looking very good. But I just thought they're looking a little tall, so maybe they needed a bit of a back cutting. So I'll try that and see if they uh, do well. Yeah. And what color are they? Oh, they are sort of a rosy pink and also the bright red, the scarlet. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yes. And yes. you know what? When you, when you, you just, like, uh, you've probably heard me speak about my grandmother in Saskatchewan where she always had, uh, three, four, five, like, two gallon pots of geraniums that she kept going all winter. Yeah. And the other thing too is if, if there's enough tipping that's on there, you could maybe even doing, uh, a little bit of a slip cut and maybe root those and have little smaller ones. Oh, like from the roots? No, from the tip cuts. You know oh, the yes, tip cuts the that tip, you take yes. off? Yeah. So yes. if you could do that, just get a, a little bit of rooting powder and you know what? It's an adventure. It's worth the try. Yes, and it has to be very special if it would grow. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I'll try that too. So maybe I'll have lots of geraniums. <laughs> You'll have lots. You know what? It's it's a celebration. It is the year of the garden uh, in horticulture this year for 2022. So why not make it beautiful? And if you've got some extras, put some extras in your yard or it's a beautiful gift to give away. Oh, yes. That would be very lovely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your help. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. And have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is a point, too, like if um, there is a conversation, too, whereas if your geraniums are being held in containers, it's you're going to see the active growth. We've talked about this with our tropical plants that are indoors. Our light candles are increasing, and they're getting on the cuspus of just wanting to go. The sun is rising. I'm, I'm breathing stronger. I'm going to be growing stronger. It's active growth time. So this is when we want to look at our plants. They may be drying out a little bit more than usual. So yes, you're going to be watering maybe a little bit more. Uh, you're also going to be fertilizing now because it's the time when you get active growth that's on it that you want to sort of start waking up, feeding those roots too, especially with Gladys, because if the plants have been in that soil and they're not received fertilizer from possibly October till now, it's like they are so hungry. Just imagine you're just doing all this work in the yard and everything else and you want to have that really good, you know, chicken dinner with the potatoes and the lettuce. They're wanting to soak that up to give them the energy that it's going to bring forth. Now we had the conversation where we said that cutting it back is going to encourage branching and, uh, you know, further branches. We do the same thing here. If you go visit your garden center, it's a great weekend to go out. Go see your favorite garden center and take a look at the plants that are. Sometimes the roots and sometimes the plants that we place in are small. They're tiny. And when they grow, they'll have one lead growth. I love and I'm notorious for going through our garden center and trimming and snipping. And if I start to see a bud forming on some of our early perennials or even some of the early annuals that we have going, I'm out there with my scissors giving it a haircut because I would rather have 20 branches than three branches with less flowers. So it's a great way of sort of keeping them 
at a shape where you can shape it and sculpt it so that you're having a bushier plant that's on there. Because just imagine, more branches, more flowers. And you're going to smile a little bit more because you're going to like the effect that it gets. So that is a perfect way to do it. We also see the same thing with our trees and our shrubs. If you're doing pruning, it helps to maintain it. And we're still in that pruning aspect of it. No one has called yet about pruning. And I love the way the conversation goes because you're listening. And we talk about one thing and how it easily transitions from caring for geraniums to actually bringing up the conversation of pruning uh, trees and shrubs because that is the season when we're doing our pruning on a lot of things because they're in their dormant state which is a perfect time to do that but before we do that we have to go right to lines loretta's on hold hi good morning lorette good morning good morning where are you calling from cutting sorry uh are all plants uh benefit do all plants benefit from being cut back um i would say most most of them do benefit from being cut back. If there is one thing, uh, what if I said, like, normally in different categories, like, uh, I would not cut back canna lilies, I would not do caladiums, uh, certain aspects of them. So there's a small line of ones that probably do not benefit from it, but there is a huge category of ones that... Oh, and how tall do they have to be before when we cut back? So I have Daturas, Geraniums, Valvas, oh, and Angel okay. Trumpets. Okay. And uh, they're not very tall yet. The Datura is getting maybe four inches. Okay. Datura I probably wouldn't cut back. So that one I would just leave that one alone that's okay. on it. But your other ones were which? Geraniums. Yep. Uh, if you Valvas. have... Yeah. And is your geranium... How, how tall is your geranium? Oh, they're not very tall. Maybe... Three inches. Three inches. Now, the importance of when you cut back a, or do tip cutting on a lot of your plants is how many, the first thing I would ask you is how many leaf set nodes do you have on your plant? Well, they're from seeds, so they're not very big yet. I know, but is there, do you have six leaves on there? Do you have nine leaves on there? Or only one or two leaves? Let me count. Okay. <laughs> uh, way more than one or two. The biggest okay. ones have two, four, six, seven, two, four, six, seven, and the eight one is showing up. Okay. So on the one that you have eight leaves, I would just take, and you know, do you see where the very top leaf is doing its emergence to create a new leaf set? Yes, I can see the new leaf just curling up. I would take my fingernails and I would just snip that first little leaf, that emergence of that new leaf out. It's not like when you have a smaller plant, uh, I'm not taking my scissors and going hacking it in sort of half. A lot of my pinch cuts, and we teach that here when we have people that come and transplant for us, is when we take it from a small cell, like I'm talking a small plant that's only in a cell that's maybe one inch by one inch, and the plant may only be two inches high, we're doing a slight little trimming or we take just our hands and we gently pinch out that leader that's on it. And it seems dramatic when you only have an inch or two of growth, but it then causes the plant to stop its lateral growth and to produce more branching everywhere there's a leaf set and spread wide and then go outward. 
So there is a benefit of doing pinch tip cuttings on it because otherwise you'll get one stem and it'll keep going like mulva. Okay, everyone, um, people, if you're not lis- uh, if you're listening, a mulva is like a hollyhock where it goes a very vertical growth, but the leaves are very sporadic up the top. On the mulva, if you do a pinching, you'll probably get more branching off of the the where the leaf nodes attach to the stem. So that I would probably do, but I would probably wait until you have more leaf sets on it so that you have more branches. Okay. So the geraniums would be seven leaves, about? Yep. You, on, on your geraniums, you can pinch cut them. If you have seven leaves, the same thing. Take okay. that, follow that lead. And seven leaves? Yep. Make it go up and just take, no, you're not going to take three inches or half of the plant off. Take that next emerging oh, leaf yes, I, off. I know, that little one yep. that just comes yep. up in the middle. Now, there's a, just maybe a stupid question, but last year I put my tomatoes and peppers in too early and the froze they had been covered but not enough so the tip uh the main stem yep the tip froze now they grew back very well so can we pinch back tomatoes and peppers you can pinch back tomatoes and peppers as well yes especially on tomato on if you pinch back your tomatoes that's on it it will you will get more side shoots that are on it okay Okay, and how tall do they have to be or how many leaves oh i would go about the same thing if there's oh. about five, five, six leaves that are on there, if you can go through it. And the pinching back happens also on your tomatoes when you get suckers. You know, when you get that uh, V shape off of a side branch yes. from the main stem, I would concentrate most of my pinching onto the sucker su- sides than on the lateral growth that's on it. And peppers, you can pinch a little bit that's on there too as well. Okay, well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. I'll and the pinching session. <laughs> okay, just uh, that's you know what. There is something so rewarding when you when you can go through and you can do a little bit of shearing. Now, here's the conversation. We're doing it on our younger plants, but maybe on our next conversation we should be talking about when the flowers are blooming mid June. There is a benefit of doing it during the growing season as well. There's a tip for you. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a nice day. You too. Thank you for calling. This is a conversation because even when you were hitting mid-June, you think, oh, it's only June. We've just begun. But then you have this added growth. And if you have the added growth, we're not going to be pinching as dramatic as when it's in the seedling stage. And you will see the benefit of it. It just looks glorious and fresh. Olga's next. Hello, Olga. Hi. Hi, where are you calling from? Uh, from Randolph. Well, hello to everyone in Randolph. <laughs> I have a Christmas cactus, and last year it bloomed from Christmas till about Easter, and it started blooming again this year before before Christmas, and it uh, had got some buds now about two weeks ago, but now it seems to be dying. It's all wilted and and just hanging there, and I don't know. I don't think I watered it too much, but... Hmm. Okay. I think this one has has had it, but... (laughs) Well, sometimes you will get a wilt that's on there, and it's in a stress state that's happening. Okay. So when you can um, look at it... Now, it was blooming a lot? Yes, it was blooming a lot. Hmm. Sometimes we see this on more mature plants that happen, too. 
pretty old plant already. I think I've had it for about, oh, probably close to 10 years. <laughs> okay. Now, do you see any whiting or powdery products or any residual on the cactus itself? No. Uh, no? no? Okay. Just well... The one thing about the zygo, when sometimes when you have a wilt drop that's in there, if it's, I'm going to ask about the drainage. Is there proper drainage in it, or did you? Yeah, re- I have. I have one of those um, pots that has a hole in the bottom, so it drains quite okay. well. And I don't water it very much. I just, <clears throat> just always just enough to to wet it. Okay. All right. And sometimes about, about once a week. <laughs> okay. Sometimes the wilted or limp cactus, um, it's either uh, too much or a lack of water. Oh, yeah. Or too much direct sunlight will also cause sometimes the wilt that's on it. Because we're thinking that cactus have to be in their uh, bright light or direct sunlight, but sometimes they like bright, as bright light, but not in the direct sunlight. Oh, I, don't, I don't have it. Well, I have it. Uh, it's, it's not direct sun there where I have it. It's... Uh... And okay, it's been, it's been doing really good till now. So okay, well, you're stumping me, and I'm probably going to go to the fact that if in nature myself, if I was doing all that energy of blooming for an excessive time, mm-hmm. um, it's almost to the point where it's probably had a stress factor played on it. It's it's in the same sort of analogy that if it bloomed for such a long period of time, it's almost a survival instinct, like the tree that has been eaten with the rabbits all underneath. It's got enough energy for a fantastic final show Mm -hmm. before it maybe has uh, succumbed to something. So I would, uh, if if the soil is moist, let it dry out. Okay. Okay, and let it go to that stage. You'll probably find that if it's exceedingly stressed, some of those limbs from the cacti will start to drop. Have you seen any drops, dropping of any leaf structures where it's actually aborting some leaf segments? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let it dry out, pull it back a little bit. If it's in a more of a shadier location, pull it back a little bit and just sort of see where it goes through. You'll probably find that you have a section of it that survives okay. and possibly the other side of it is you'll probably lose a good majority of the branches okay. off of it. So then I okay. should still keep it, not, not chuck it yet. <laughs> no, don't chuck it yet because okay. I've seen I've seen some and some people have phoned us and they've had some cactuses for like forty years and half okay. of it dies and some of it survives by by some miracle that they have um, you know inherited a plant and they want to keep it but okay. now they have a slightly smaller version of what they were given. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And there's uh, about deter- a rabbit deterns if you use cayenne pepper and spread it around the, the bench and uh, branches and stuff, that usually deters them too. Well, cayenne pepper is a little hot, so I would probably yeah, yeah. say... <laughs> I did that one year. It, it was eating my fir tree, and then I just went and I, I, I uh, put pi- cayenne peppers on the lower branches and around the tree, and it never came back. <laughs> well, there was probably... There's probably less spicy stuff around, so that was a good deterrent. Yeah, yeah it didn't didn't eat anymore. Anyways, it probably came back, but it didn't eat anymore. Yeah. Thank you for the tip. Okay, thanks. Okay, and good luck with that uh, cactus because they are gorgeous. I know plants. mine is a, a pretty bright red. So. Yeah, and is it is it a is it a Christmas cactus or Easter cactus? Because there are uh, different shapes to the leaf structures. I don't know. It's it's just it always blooms. Started blooming usually before Christmas because I I put it down 
I take it out and I put it in the sunshine for a little bit and maybe in September or so for a yep. day or two. And I put it back in my place where I usually have it. And then by Christmas, it usually starts having lots of buds and blooms. So, Oh, it sounds very pretty. Yep. Very pretty. Okay. okay. Well, all right. Thank you for calling. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Olga. Bye. Enjoy the day. Yeah, a lot of the cactuses are different shapes. Like if we look at, uh, there's actually three different types of zygo. Well, the zygos are your uh, cactuses, where there is a Thanksgiving cactus, which has the very jagged, pointed, tippy, uh, segmented portions of it. And if you wanted to go the Christmas cactus, it's slightly softer on the jags that are on there. And if it's a true Easter cactus, it's got the softer, very... Um, not as pronounced definition of the little offsets or the jagged tippings that are on there. Now, before we go to our last break, I always like to tease you with some plants. Um, some of you may have looked, now get out your pencils and pens. There was a petunia the last couple of years that was just absolutely gorgeous. It gave us that very tropical feel called the petunia mandeville. But there are some that are actually just gorgeous and wild with color. So maybe this weekend, look up Petunia, Crazy Tunia, Peach Bellini, beautiful, bright colors, or maybe Headliner, Raspberry Swirl. They both sound great and enticing. Thank you for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And maybe it's time to venture, see what it is all about gardening, take assessment of your what your seeds are, and take a look at the sky because there's spring clouds that are rolling by. If it weren't for the spring clouds that brings us the rain, the landscape of sky would really be plain. As the sun passes through, it is amazing to see. It's as if they're saying hi to you and me. Bye-bye, everyone. We'll see you next weekend on the Lawn and Garden Journal.